not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, e -break. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Pint Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom Reed, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance, Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitchell and Whale, and Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. And we're pleased today to be joined by two special guests. We have Don Forgero, who's the CEO of IBC. Don, how's it going? And we have James Fordham, who's actually I don't even know James's title. So uh, we'll get uh, we'll get James to <laughs> we'll get James to himself in a minute. So. Uh, Don, uh, Rank has this privilege. We'll get you to do a quick uh, intro of yourself first, then we'll turn it over to James. Thanks, Tom, and uh, hi, everybody. Um, uh, President and CEO of IBC, been with uh, the company almost 30 years, started on the East Coast, uh, which, uh, which is where family's roots are. Um, background in chemistry, which, of course, everybody knows is the prerequisite for getting into the insurance industry. Uh, and worked for the federal and provincial governments in uh, a long ago uh, previous life. Great. Well, I, we're we're tied then because I have a degree in chemical engineering, which is equally as useful for the insurance business. <laughs> so, exactly. James, do you want to <laughs> you want to give us a background yourself and enlighten me on 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 your title and role while you're doing it? Sure. Thanks, Tom, and uh, good afternoon. Yeah, I'm uh, James Fordham, Vice President, Industry Information Services, and I'm the CIO at uh, at IBC. Uh, I joined IBC when I first came to Canada 15 years ago, and uh, IBC was my my first employer and my only employer within Canada. All right, let's go to our uh, speed round, and Jeff can dive into a little more detail on our uh, on our guests here. Okay, awesome. All right, this goes out to both uh, Don and James. This is our famous uh, speed round for all our Pint listeners, just to unpack it to know a bit more about you. Uh, I want to first of all know which for both of you. Name your favorite Canadian band or musician of all time. The one that springs to mind is um, uh, Tragically Hip have, have grown on me in the 15 years that I've been here. Correct answer. Correct answer. They're Canada's best kept secret. Yeah, they were. And I was a late convert to the to the hip, uh, giving away my age. Backman Turner Overdrive uh, kind of defined my high school years. Taking care of business, low BTO. I like it. I like it. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, what what do you guys like to do in your free time? Your favorite hobbies or sports or anything? Uh, yeah, a lot of sports. Uh, golf, uh, tennis, hockey, cycling, you know, uh, all of the above. Not nearly enough of it uh, to, uh, to satisfy me. But, uh, uh, you know, and I miss the days when golf used to be such a big part of business, right? I mean, you used to take people golfing. Did that change? I I missed that memo. Was I supposed to stop golfing for work? I nobody told me. James, what's your what's your sport or hobby or interest? I have I have no spare time. I have four young boys. I have absolutely no spare time. But when I do, in the future, golf would be uh, golf would be lovely. Uh, your drink of choice. If you're going to a pub or a bar, what would you order? I'm a bit of a wine drinker, red preferably, but uh, but also white. Uh, but a gin and tonic on a warm summer day is a pretty nice way to spend an afternoon. Great. James? Old-fashioned. Old-fashioned. Okay, great. Great mixture there. Oh. And last question, uh, now that COVID's over, where's the, have you traveled to any great spot? And if you haven't, where's your next big trip going to go be to? I just uh, did my first two international trips in the last two years. So 
Um, I'm the president of an international association, so it takes me overseas uh, several times a year. Anyway, I was to Prague, uh, where I had never been, spent a week there for, for meetings, and um, 10, day, 10 days ago was in Dubrovnik in Croatia uh, on the Adriatic Sea. Stunningly, I was only there for 46 hours, but uh, long enough to, uh, uh, to see how beautiful a place it is. James? Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to England. Besides Disney World with the kids? Disney World, uh, Harry Potter World might be a, a spot in the future, but um, but th- this summer we're going over to the UK. Okay, great. All right, guys, we have we want to keep things rocking here. We got some great information, so thanks for the speed run. All right, so um, let's we'll get right into it. Uh, first, I just want to do a quick shout out to our sponsors. So uh, big thanks to IFS Premium Finance, who's our premier sponsor, as well as the Crew Group. Uh, Garrison's Brewery and our charity partner Wick. So, um, so let's get into it here, Don. So maybe let's, let's start with this with the basics. I'll, I'll I'll give us the first question, and the guys can jump in here. But uh, um, what does the IBC actually do? <laughs> you know, some of the simplest questions are the toughest ones, right? Um, uh, well, we do we do a lot of things, but the traditional trade association work that we do is probably not that dissimilar to what brokers associations do across the country. Uh, and uh, IBAC does uh, for you nationally, right? We advocate on behalf of our members. Uh, that usually, uh, you know, is is in, in the area of public policy. So we're trying to work with governments provincially and federally to change um, auto insurance systems, you know, to improve outcomes for, for consumers, whether it's changes to benefits or changes to premiums and so on. Um, climate change, I probably spend more time talking and, and um, uh, doing work on climate change now than, than auto insurance or any form of insurance. Regulatory matters, um, <clears throat> OSFI is, uh, is recognized around the world as uh, one, of, uh, one of the uh, preeminent regulators. They keep us uh, real busy. Provincial regulators also uh, do that. So that, you know, we, we do some other things and James can talk a little bit uh, uh, at some point about some of the products that we make available to uh, to members that are um, usually grounded in data that we collect. But in terms of pure um, uh, uh, trade association business, it's on the advocacy side that IBC would would spend the bulk of its time. And I do remember many, many years ago learning about IBC by actually having to fix some green sheet errors way back in the day. So you talk about dating yourself. I've just dated myself. Don, how many members? Uh, they tell me about 115. I don't count them. Uh, I've got a board of uh, 15 industry CEOs uh, that I probably spent the, uh, the bulk of my time with. Uh, but we're always, um, like again, like any trade association, uh, uh, we're always looking for new members. Membership in IBC is voluntary. I understand the Canadian Bankers Association, all banks must be members of the Canadian Bankers Association. What a wonderful world that must be where it doesn't matter how good or bad you are, and they are good, but uh, members uh, are, are, are forced to uh, to join. That's not the case with us. And this year, we've attracted uh, a few mutual companies to join, and AIG uh, has has joined after uh, 10 years of Lynn Oldfield and I having uh, many breakfasts and lunches and me courting her. She's finally said yes. So for our listeners who are mostly, well, not mostly brokers, but there's a ton of brokers, you are basically the Brokers Association, but of insurance companies. So you have directs, you have mutuals, you have... Insurer of insurers of all different stripes, um, and you advocate on their behalf with respect to government and everything that you had said. What um, what kind of cool stuff do you do that might sort of as as brokers we'd be interested in? I think there's there's probably Steve too. I'm going to get James to to jump in with some of the uh, some of the, he does all the cool stuff. At, uh, at IBC. Um, some of the other stuff that, that might be considered cool or at least remotely interesting for brokers is the work that we've been doing um, on, on climate change, on natural catastrophes, how we go into communities after a disaster, uh, help connect people with either their brokers or their insurance companies 
to kind of get that claim process underway. The work that we've done with the federal government and now provincial governments on getting a national flood program, we can talk, um, you know, for hours about how uh, not nearly enough Canadians are insured for, for flood. Uh, and uh, we've been working to try and change that by developing a national flood program. So you brokers will have a flood product to sell uh, at some point down the road. Uh, so, so those are, I, I guess, a couple of things that we do that are on the ground that brokers uh, will see sort of the, the, the net result of that. But James, if you want to offer a comment or two about some of the products that, uh, that we make available that uh, some brokers would probably be aware of, actually. Yeah, sure. I, whether they would be categorized as cool or not is um, is, is questionable. But um, yes, we, we deliver um, industry products like Clear. That's the Canadian Loss Experience Automobile Rating System. It um, it, it gives you a, a relative risk ranking for every vehicle that's on the roads uh, across the country. Uh, VinLink is another one that decodes the 17-digit VIN that's on assigned to any, any vehicle. It uh, decodes it for, for carriers and brokers to identify the the make, model, the, the weight of the vehicle, all, all of those kind of characteristics. So we deliver a, a, a significant number of industry products across the, the industry and to, um, to, to a variety of stakeholders. But I can gladly talk about that uh, all day long. So I have one last question before I let these guys jump in. And you mentioned board. And so brokers represent uh, 50 plus percent of the marketplace is your board representative of broker representation insofar as market share don oh absolutely steve it's probably disproportionate uh to to companies who uh uh who distribute their products uh, through brokers or have multi-channel uh, distribution channels um, we have um, uh, for all our committees including our board we have a diversity profile that we've created to make sure that whether it's a committee or working group or the board, that it, that it represents the industry writ large. So we don't want uh, 16 uh, members of the board and 15 of them are from Ontario and the rest of the country isn't, isn't represented. Or they're all direct writers and the brokers aren't represented or vice versa. So, so we, we have this diversity profile that we follow pretty closely and, and brokers are, uh, are well represented around the uh, around the table. I should just quickly add, though, on the on the issue of distribution, we have been for many years uh, channel agnostic. So this is it's a competitive issue for our members, but IBC doesn't take a view one way or the other, and we stay uh, well clear of any issues that have a sort of distribution connotations because those are things for our members to decide, not not for their trade association. What are you guys seeing for trends? I mean, there's a lot happening in the world right now with stock markets down, wars starting up, um, pandemics. You, you brought up climate change and how that's affecting. Like, What are you seeing changing um, as of late or maybe over your career? Uh, Adam, I'll go with as of late uh, as opposed to my career. Um uh, the, the the panel I mentioned a little while ago in Dubrovnik, I was on a panel with a couple of regulators, uh, one from Hong Kong, uh, one from the state of Connecticut, and a chief risk officer from uh, a large Hong Kong-based life insurer. And our panel was, was, was all about risk and, and what are the risks. And of course, for regulators, uh, you know, they did some audience polling and six or seven of them came up and we had to choose three and the regulators chose them all because they worry about, you know, they worry about everything. And uh, you've touched on some of the things that, that we're worried about. Um, uh, inflation, no question, is going to have and already is having an impact uh, on our sector. Um, uh, I'm in the midst of building a house. I can vouch for uh, the impact inflation would have on rebuilding costs, say, for example. Um, but but our industry dealt with inflation before, and, and we've dealt with it, uh, you know, well. Uh, before COVID, uh, physical damage inflation on auto insurance was a really big issue for us in many parts of the country. The cost of repairing vehicles had shot up. Obviously, this is pre-pandemic, so it was really just the cost. Uh, it, was, it was peculiar to, to, to vehicle damage. So that's, that, that's a concern. Um, uh, the economy writ large is a concern. Interest rates, you know, right? So for 
for the positive news that higher interest rates brings. Regulators are equally concerned, you know, on the other side of the coin. So I do think for insurers writ large, uh, higher interest rates are, are probably going to uh, going to bear out uh, well in terms of, of overall impact. Climate change, um, a huge issue. Uh, you know, not enough time can be spent on it. We've spent a lot of time as a country talking about how do we get CO2 emissions down. We've spent almost no time talking about how do we adapt to what's already in the atmosphere, and we're seeing it play out. You know, the uh, the the uh, uh, what happened in Lytton, BC last year is mind-boggling, fellas. 49.5 degrees Celsius. 49.5 degrees Celsius was the temperature, and then the next day, the whole town went up in flames, and 600 people in BC died as a result of heat, not the fire, but as a result of this heat dome that they had in BC. So we're already seeing the effects and our federal government has not spent enough time on trying to help us adapt to what's already staring us in the face, let alone what's coming down the road. Um, cyber, uh, another huge threat. Um, and, and the industry is, is uh, invested in two ways in this, right? I mean, we sell product, um, not as much as people would like, but for very good reasons, uh, you know, the industry hasn't been able to come up with a product and price it and sell it, you know, in large volumes. Um, and we're also a target. So cyber is um, uh, is a huge issue. There was a, a panel at this conference I was at just devoted to cyber. And it was absolutely depressing. You walked out of the room thinking this, this stuff isn't insurable. You just can't insure against cyber risk when you've got nation states. Um, engaged in, in cyber warfare, and it's warfare. Um, and now you're looking at, at war exclusions in policies and so on. It really makes you wonder uh, how the industry is going to wrap its arms around cyber and create a product that's affordable that you guys can sell to small you know, and medium-sized and, and large business owners. But, but to develop an affordable product um, is going to be, is going to be, uh, is going to be challenging. So, um, uh, Adam, there, there are no shortage, uh, no shortages of, of things. But, you know, we're um, uh, trade associations are paid to worry. And uh, so we have lots that we can uh, lots that we can worry. About. What's, what's your biggest worry? Like if, if any of those were to be graded or, or the one that keeps you most awake at night while worrying? Is, yeah, what's a black swan event that is the most likely to happen? Is it climate like an earthquake in B.C. or B.C.? And then a hurricane at the same time and the reinsurance market gets completely creamed. And then all of a sudden we're scrambling around for capacity. Is that, I'm just curious, what is your box one? I did. I didn't even mention earthquakes, Jeff. Thanks for that. Because that, the earthquake is the one event that can take the industry down. And so it's another file that we've been working on with the federal government for several years now, trying to come up with a plan because the PASIC, the corporation that's designed to pay claims for companies that fail, PASIC would just be wiped out uh, if there is a large earthquake uh, off the coast of BC, which, by the way, not that you can put it this way, but we are somewhat overdue. We're the only place on that whole ring of fire that hasn't had a huge event. A pandemic, as we find out, found out, uh, is, a, is one of these black swan events that you just can't prepare for. I, I attended a, a dinner before the pandemic, and there were uh, sitting around a uh, table with about uh, 25 other people, much much smarter than me, about all of these 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 sort of black swan event uh, issues and their fear, uh, and it was fairly unanimous around the table. Their fear was a, a large cyber event that took down the financial sector. That's what they feared the most. You know that some nation state would would figure out a way to do that, and we've seen. You know, air traffic control systems impacted. We've seen uh, oil uh, uh, distribution disrupted as a result of some of these attacks. So that's what they came up with. Um, I, I don't have, I don't have a personal favorite. Uh, you know, I, I I worry about them all. And so the sum of all their parts just forced you to retire. I pledged to work long enough to fix Ontario Auto. And I mean, uh, how many, how many versions, how many changes are you through 10 or 12? Ver how many yeah, versions have you gone through? Yeah. Do you remember? Are you at past 10 or 12 by now in your time frame? Well, you know, that, that old definition of insanity, right? That that's Ontario auto, 
right? Over and over and over again. Hey, quick question. Let's shift gears here. Tell us about the PR work you do for the individual consumers. You mentioned about some of the advocacy, and I've seen some great information about, you know, catastrophes and, and, and global warming and climate change, but also you were very involved with the pandemic with lots of information. Maybe just share some of the, the great stuff your PR, your PR side of your business does for the, the benefits of the entire industry. So I I guess, Jeff, one of the things we try and do uh, under the umbrella of advocacy, whether you call it government relations or public relations uh, or communications, um, is to try and get ahead of of some of these issues before they they really cause problems. Because by the time uh, an elected official has sunk his or her teeth into an issue, it's too late. You've got to solve these things long before it gets to question period in the House or lands on, on a minister's desk. So a couple couple of examples uh, would be the hard commercial market. Uh, In the fall of 2019, uh, we established a a commercial task force representation across the country. We had brokers on it um, in different parts of the country. And we tried to get ahead of what we knew what was coming, right? We knew that the commercial market had hardened, was going to continue to harden. And then all of a sudden you you throw um, uh, uh, the, the, the pandemic on top of it, and it just made you know, a bad situation, much, much worse. And and there, there was a lot of ad, advocacy at the provincial government level, also at the federal government, but at the provincial government level, uh, to try and educate them on why uh, rates uh, were were going up, why the market had hardened, why coverage was hard to find in in for some lines of business, as you guys know better than than anybody. Um, and so we spent an awful lot of time uh, with them. We even incre- we created we called a business insurance action team, which would help those really hard done by customers, especially in the commercial, in the um, uh, hospitality space, to hook them up with um, with brokers and with companies to try and get coverage placed. Um, and so that was, you know, there was PR uh, obviously involved in that, if you want to call it that. Uh, but it was a lot of educating, a lot of educating uh, elected officials. The same with the pandemic. Um, we spent a lot of time. Um, with regulators, with elected officials, with CEOs um, uh, around our board table and, and elsewhere, uh, talking and thinking through what we needed to do as an industry to try and respond. And we had a call uh, with uh, the Minister of Finance in Ontario, um, uh, long since gone, but he told us during this call that if we weren't part of the uh, solution, an active part of the solution, that they would see us as part of the problem. And that really served uh, to, to get our CEOs coalescing around what did they need to do uh, to try and, and be seen as part of the solution. So people had parked their cars, businesses were, you know, were shuttered, um, uh, and things had changed. So the premiums that we were collecting were based on one set of risk profiles, and now suddenly everything had changed. And so the industry gave back billions, literally billions with a B, uh, billions of dollars in, in refunds. And I know, you know, uh, the flip side of that is is that was a hardship for many brokers, you know, that had to go through. It, it sounds it sounds simple, right? We'll just give consumers back refunds. We, we know that there's another side to doing that. But it was important that we did it. Um, a lot of time spent around the IBC board table. We have four board meetings a year. In 2020, I think we had 10, and uh, and the other six were devoted uh, to uh, to the pandemic and what the industry needed to do for customers on the personal line side and on the on the commercial line side as well. And I think I think we came through it pretty good. I, I I'm immensely proud of what the industry did at every level, right from brokers uh, to adjusters who responded to disasters in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, to insurers, to, to the work that regulators did and elected officials, we really served Canadians. And, and I would put our sector up against any sector of the economy and look at what we did and compare it to what you know anybody else did. And I think we got a lot to be proud, a lot, a lot to be proud of. Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS, aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. But like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is. 
at its hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So Don, you've recently announced your retirement and talked about a we talk about black swan events and, you know, what good the industry did in COVID and so on. So maybe you can leave us with a couple of things. Like what, from your perspective, you know, throughout your career, what, what, what thing or series of things made you the proudest to be part of the insurance industry? And what message would you like to give to the generation that comes after you? First of all, I've been, I've been um, just so privileged, uh, you know, to, to have the position I've had for the last 13 years at, at, at IBC. It's just been such a, a tremendous honor because I got to do um, some amazing things. And I got to work with some incredibly talented people in all corners of the industry. Again, from, you know, from industry CEOs, uh, member company staff, uh, uh, brokers, agents, adjusters, um, governments, you know, there's just, the list goes on and on. And, and uh, I am so immensely proud of this industry that we that we represent and and I know oftentimes we forget how important uh, the work is that we do right I mean we get we get caught up in the business of business we're all trying to make a living you guys are running small businesses you're trying to meet payroll uh, you're trying to grow you know you're trying to look after your family and the families of, of others but the the underlying work that that we do is is incredibly important. We, we had a federal regulator who once said that we were the oxygen of the economy because without us, there's nothing, right? Cars don't drive, businesses don't run, uh, you know, buildings don't get built if, if it weren't for the work that, that our industry does. And then when there is an event like a Fort McMurray fire or a hailstorm in Calgary or flooding in, in New Brunswick, you pick your disaster. We are there. We are there all the time. And we do it better than anybody else uh, in, in terms of getting people back on their feet. Um, now, my, my team always says don't end on a negative. But one of the things that does worry me um, is uh, our ability to continue to do that. Uh, and I say that when I think of um, things like uh, flood insurance and the fact that when there are events, um, a disproportionate share of the damage is now not insured. And we have to fix that. We have to figure out a way to make sure that more people are insured for the damages uh, that they're going to incur. Because the danger is that we'll become irrelevant. Right? If, if, if there's a flood, take, take last fall's flood in B.C., a multi-billion dollar uh, event, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten billion dollars in damage. Only about four, four or five hundred million dollars of that was insured. So if you're the provincial government in BC, you're you're shouldering, you know, all pretty much all of this burden and our industry is shouldering very little. If if we continue down that road, uh, governments will, you know, will question uh, why uh, why we're there, why they need to work with us, and consumers will begin to question that as well. So I, I and and cyber is another one, right? We're 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 not as an industry uh, again for good reason, but we're not we're not um, uh, the 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 uh, the insurance gap, as they call it, is is huge as it relates to cyber. So that's something that I think uh, that I think we need to uh, we need to address as we go forward. But 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 Tom, uh, the you know, it's a great industry, uh, phenomenal industry. Uh, my daughter uh, uh, joined the industry, as, as Steve well knows. Uh, she did it without talking to me. Uh, not that I think I would have tried to talk her out of it. I don't think I would have. Um, and she's enjoyed it immensely. I think it's a great industry. The sad part is people tend to fall into our industry. Uh, you know, Tom, with your chemical engineering degree, me with my chemistry uh, degree. 
I think we need to figure out a way to reach young people and let them know what, a, what, a, what an exciting and fulfilling career uh, you can have in our industry and try and attract more of them uh, than we have in the past. So perhaps I'll pause there. I think uh, I think on behalf of the industry, Don. Thanks for all your hard work the last thirteen years. It's uh, it's great. You've done a great job. You've got everybody working together. And uh, again, uh, I've learned a lot just from our last thirty-five minutes together. So thanks for what you've done for the industry. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Hey, James. Let's get on to Dash here. So heard a lot of uh, some interesting, you know, very obviously very high-level conversation that we had with Don. And let's get into a little more. Not not into the weeds per se because this is still pretty high level, but let's let's talk about about Dash and and what you guys are doing there. So first, maybe just for the benefit of ourselves and for our audience, you can just tell us, you know, what is Dash? What does it stand for? What's what's the point of Dash? What what are you guys trying to do there? Maybe just give us a a background there. We'll then we'll jump into some questions. So Dash is the name that we've given to a product that's still under development. We're we're not going to be going live until um, likely January at least Q1 of 2023. Um, it stands for driver and auto search history. Um, and what it does is use the industry's data to provide a, uh, a, a report on every insured on their insurance history, claims history, percentage at fault. Um, so clearly, you know, very important information in the underwriting process and the pricing process and, and even, um, you know, to be used by SIUs. How, how do you anticipate this making the lives of consumers and brokers better? And I, I get it from, from a carrier perspective, access to data, cheaper, better, more accurately, most likely. That's great. Works, works well for them. Sure. What about brokers and consumers? How's it going to make their lives better? I mentioned that the data, you know, obviously the data is central in, um, in, in the pricing of, of risk and, and issuing of, of policies. Um, but one of the big things with Dash is that brokers are not going to be billed for the use of the product. The, um, the cost of delivering the product uh, is going to be incurred by, uh, by carriers based on, on market share, allocated through market share. Um, and it's not going to be billed per transaction. So um, brokers and, and carriers alike can essentially use Dash until, um, you know, so long as they have the appropriate um, privacy consents in, in place. Um, can can use the the product and and run as many transactions as they like without having to um, assign a, a a report to a to a carrier if you're a broker, um, and um, and so that that gives it a a, a pretty serious uh, advantage and uh, the the usability of of Dash will be um, uh, will, will will be very positive. Um, we're going to be able to or we're going to be issuing a um, an API guideline for brokers and for carriers, so they can build a system-to-system -system interface for for Dash. Uh, it's also going to be available via a, a web portal. Um, so, um, so you know, we likely we expect to see more traffic going through the the system-to-system -system interface. But um, the web portal will be available for for those carriers and brokers that don't want to go through the expense of developing that um, that interface, that system interface. In that light. Have vendors been engaging? Have the BMS vendors been engaging? The rating vendors been engaging with you on this project? Yeah, they have. We we um, so the, the maybe just a word on on how the product is 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 being guided. The the carriers, the participating carriers. So we've got twenty nine carriers representing about ninety one percent of the industry that are guiding the development of of the product and and they oversee it. Um, in addition to that, we're working with um, IBAO, we're working with IBAC, we're working with all of the, the brokers associations to make sure that the broker community are aware of what we're doing. And we're beginning to have conversations with, you know, the, the sizable commercial entities that provide services to the broker community, so the, the BMS providers. So, um, yes, they're aware and yes, they're involved. Right now, the carriers, uh, the BMS vendors charge us to do pre-fill, which this information is now being paid for by the client. So can we expect that cost to go down or go away on the brokers, or are they going to continue to pass on the same price but take more of a margin? Is that a fair question to ask, or is that too too into the weeds? It, it's No, it's a totally fair question to, to ask. Um, the, the answer isn't quite there yet because we're still working with the BMS providers. We're still working on sort of commercial agreements that um, that, that may or may not be put in place here. So um, I, I think it's a fair, fair question, but uh, there's probably not a, a, a detailed answer to give you at this point. I guess my question is why so long? This is all um, 
information that, you know, IBC and its members have been providing to somebody else in order to charge back to all its IBC members and their distributors, be it brokers or whatever. So, I mean, number one, yeah, good on you. But why did it take so long? Was it the APIs that you needed? Was it technology? And like, what, what, what preempted this? Um, I, I, would, I would say that the, um, the reason it's taken so long is because there's, there's, another, there's another product um, in the market that delivers kind of, you know, um, comparable services, comparable searches. Um, but that it was, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, service provider that, that makes, makes a profit out of it. Um, and I think it's taken the industry, um, a, a, an extensive amount of time to kind of figure out that they can likely do it better. And, um, you know, if, if I take my example, uh, or take, take IBC's involvement in this as an example, we've been talking about this for over four years. Um, and we've been working through a task force, through a standing committee, through our board. Um, and it's only in the last two years that we we kind of obtained the funding and the appropriate authorities to develop to develop Dash. Um, so I, I, I guess it's a sort of a long-winded way of, of saying, probably asking so the wrong people next, as to why it's taken as long as it has taken to, to get an industry-owned um, product to, together. Once Dash is running... Will that for-profit business be cut off from the the information? Um, almost certainly not, Steve. The the the, um, the the industry have have decided they want to build a competitive product. You know, an industry-owned competitive product to CGI's Auto Plus, and um, that needs data. And so the industry have secured access to to their data. Um, but I I. I don't expect there to be a, an impact on the feed of data to um, to CGI for for um, you know the, the services, the products and services that they deliver with that data. James, uh, what what uh, which companies will be able to use Dash? Do you have to be a member of IBC to get access to it? Can anybody access it? You mentioned about it being funded by how much volume you have, but I'm assuming you have to be a, a member of IBC to be able to use it. Is that correct or? No, you don't. Actually, because we're using, we're reliant on 100% of the industry's data. Um, this is one of the products that IBC is delivering and making available to um, any carrier that wanted to sign up to participate in the development. I, when I say participate, I mean kind of A, fund, and B, test and make sure that it's going to be fit for purpose by the time it goes live. So we've got 29 individual carriers signed up. They represent about 91% of the market. And uh, it will be those 29 carriers and their subsidiaries and, and uh, agents and brokers that will be able to, uh, to access um, Dash when it's live. Can other people join after if they didn't you know, help bake the, the, the bread? Can they help consume it later or you have to jump into the ground level? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the, the, yes, they can um, jump in later. Uh, there is what we call a levy to, um, to to join. So that that levy is your 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 portion of the development cost plus a a, a relatively small premium um, to jump in at a later date. So that that nine percent of the the market that remains, uh, they will have the opportunity to join later. I'm going to guess that that brokers are are probably the only group that reads auto pluses more than underwriters, as the the ratio's got to be two or three to one on the poll. Um, are there any broker representations at the table as far as to how to design this sort of look and feel of an output? Yeah, so we're, we're working with um, a task force, the Industry Products Task Force, and that is made up just of, of carriers. Um, but over the past six, 12 months or so, I've been working with um, the broker associations, so met with IBAC and, and presented to their technology committee um, and have since been working very closely with Colin Simpson of IBAO, um, who's kind of the, the appointed uh, broker interface. Um, and yes, they, they are having um, input in um, what the report contains, how it's delivered, how it's accessed, um, those kinds of conversations we're, we're actively having with, with the broker community. 
So James, you keep, keep using this term report, which I understand why you use that term. Because when I think about this, I think you know API, I think data movement back and forth. I think I order a report and it goes to the carrier or goes to Dash and comes back and populates you know the appropriate report data into my BMS. Is that is that kind of where you're heading with you know with this portal being sort of a a, a catch-all for somebody who doesn't want to do it that way, but like, what what is the main thrust? Is it more di digital data back and forth? Yeah, that's exactly right, Tom. So we, we expect about ninety percent of the of the transaction volumes are going to be going through the, the system to system API. Um, about ten percent will be coming through the the uh, the web portal. And as I mentioned, that that'll be for for carriers either that don't leverage the um, the, the larger BMS um, provider technology. Um, and as you say, kind of a, a catch-all for for the remaining uh, for the remaining stakeholders that have access to the system, which hopefully goes away when people realize the system system is way more efficient than effective and much less of a pain in the arse. <laughs> Bit of a training though curve, like you know, making sure all the data when you're reading the the uh, auto plus versus populating the system, there will be a bit of a transition. Uh, one question I have is what data is included? One of the big pitfalls in Ontario is commercial driver history. Uh, it's a nightmare. People have worked for somebody, they're on a fleet policy. Are you able to dig into some of that commercial driving history with, uh, do you have other data sets that we can't reach that CGI is not tapping into, or is it kind of repurposing whatever, what, what's already out there at the current time? Yeah, commercial um, is tricky because the the you know the nice thing about the the um, private passenger data is it's reported through a mandatory stat plan, and so the data is reported consistently across the industry. And and um, as I say, we tap into that for for Dash. The commercial data is just not reported in the in the same way. So it's 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 just it's very difficult to get a, a comparable picture on commercial. Uh, policies and, and commercial history uh, than it is for private passenger. We have, you know, we, as you would imagine, as we as we go through the development cycle with the task force, the industry have flagged commercial um, use and, and commercial policies. They've flagged other things like MVRs and and um, you know additional enhancements that we expect to get to um, once the system is live and, and once we've sort of delivered the bread and butter, then we will mo move to those enhancements and really kind of turn our attention to how do we solve this? Let's, let's step forward to January slash Q1 of 2023. Dash is implemented. It's a resounding success immediately. Everybody you know, throws a tipper, ticker tape parade for you, James. What's next? Like, you know, the, the data that goes into an auto plus is, is only one part of the hurdle that brokers face in terms of getting quick, ready access, accurate, you know, efficient data. Is there is there a part two? Is there other things you guys are going to look down the road and try to solve, like MVRs, driver's license, you know, one-click driver's license uh, kind of things? What, what's 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 on the roadmap? Or even feeding whether a policy is active or not to a police system. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Actually, that that last question relates to a, a product that we've already got live, which is called the Insurance Validation Program. But I, maybe I'll talk about that in a minute if it's of interest. Um, but what's next for Dash? You know, what one of the one of the things that IBC um, does as its bread and butter is pull the industry together, pull its members together, and we have conversations. And for each of the products, you heard me talk earlier about, um, you know, we've got Clear, we've got um, Vinlink, we've got HKI. For each of the products that we own, we create an industry advisory group. So that's a, a, a an industry uh, body that that represents the, um, the the industry in discussions about the future of our our products, the future direction of the products, enhancements, investments that we want to make. Um, so the advisory group that will be set up once we go live with Dash will tell us what the future uh, what the future has in store. Um, but those things that you mentioned, um, of those things, I suspect that MVR um, will be access to the MVR data in Dash will be one of the highest priorities. Um, commercial data is is another uh, priority that that we expect to to hear. Um, so yeah, that there is there is a, a roadmap already, a funding roadmap in that uh, the, the carriers have committed to, um, that will allow us to invest and and enhance Dash for uh, you know several years after we go live. What what about outside of Dash? Like if if you could just you know 
throw the board to the wind and, and James get his hand into some problem solving along the same lines of data and connectedness, where, where would you go? We've mentioned MBR a couple of times, and, and um, I think there is a real opportunity that the task force that are guiding the development of, of Dash have spent a, an, an extensive amount of time talking about the frustrations with MBRs. Um, and what's interesting about the frustrations with MBRs is that they're, they're, they're jurisdictional in, in nature. Um, so we hear very good things about MBRs in PEI. Um, we hear lots of frustrations pretty much everywhere else. Um, frustrations ranging from the high price of accessing MVRs. Um, in some cases, um, the, the timeliness or lack of timeliness related to MVRs. Um, and in many cases, just the, the sort of the, the, the either inconsistent or incomplete data that's available in the MVRs. So when, when you kind of put all those things together, um, the task force see a genuine opportunity to, um, to, 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 to steer the ship or at least get a, a hand uh, in steering the, the ship and, uh, and improving some of those frustrations. James, you mentioned the um, insurance validation process in Ontario. So I'm in Nova Scotia. We don't have that sort of thing here. Tell me more about how that works. Sure. So the, the insurance validation program is something that we put in, in um, where are we now, 11, 12 years ago. And it's a partnership program with the Ministry of Transportation in Ontario, where we use the same data. So the same stat data that's reported across the, the industry. And we're able to provide a, a confirmation of valid insurance, both for Service Ontario click kiosks, when you go to renew your license plate sticker, um, and also for law enforcement. So um, we, we now respond to about 1.2 million queries to the insurance validation database every month uh, in Ontario. And, and the majority of that is law enforcement at, at roadside. Um, and really, it's a very straightforward query. It's just, ca can you confirm that based on, on this driver, on this um, uh, registration plate, license plate, uh, that valid insurance exists? Um, they get a yes or a no in response to that. And it's obviously useful at uh, roadside. So is, this might be a question for Don or his successor. When the time comes and, you, you know, if it's $40 million worth of reports or $40 million worth of revenue that a province is getting on these MVRs, but yet the same government is trying to push the industry to say that prices are too high, they're they're adding a lot of cost to that system. Can we begin to call them out on that? We've made that connection, especially in Ontario, predominantly in Ontario. We we have had conversations in um, in Alberta as well, um, but there is no question that accessing MVRs drives cost into the system, and if they could either um, change the the pricing model for MVRs from a transaction based to a subscription based. You know, e even that would make a, a huge difference, not just in reducing costs, but enabling you know online quoting, for example, and 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 reducing or at least limiting cost of online quoting. Um, so yeah, we we have we have uh, engaged our, our Ontario um, government relations colleagues to to engage in those discussions with the Ministry of Transportation and the Ministry of Finance and. They they do see it. It's not as though they're they're oblivious to that connection. It's just it's a um, you know it's a big revenue um, it's a big revenue generator at the moment, and they obviously need to think through the the consequences of making any changes. Do you have uh, are you going to be tackling habitational insurance tracking system like they have hits at CGI? Do you have access to the property data too? Like this is auto and driver. Do you have also access to the, all the property claims history too? And is that something on the list? to look into? So we used to collect, IBC on behalf of Giza, used to collect a, um, sorry, it wasn't on behalf of Giza. We, we used to collect a property um, plan, a personal lines plan. But the problem was it wasn't mandated by Giza. It was voluntary. So the data was incomplete and inconsistent and that there was just no, that there was almost no use to that data, which is why we discontinued it over 10 years ago now. Um, because there isn't a stat plan, um, you know, you run into the same issues as I mentioned earlier with with the commercial 
um, inconsistencies. So, so um, that that's the problem with the the, the personal lines, the habitational um, data. That un unless we were to kind of think dramatically as an industry that we want to start reporting this data in a consistent, mandated way, then there really isn't a way to uh, to, to generate a product like Dash for property. Because I think the big thing is if we stop competing on trying to dig down and track down the data and paying tons of money for it and start competing on the actuary and the analytics and stuff to build the rates with the data, that would be a good shift, right? There's just a lot of waste and friction that's caused by it. So the more we can take that out of the industry, the better it is for everybody for the future. You know, the concept of the industry making use of its own data um, is something that um, a number of people around the task force have, um, have commented on. Um, it's not something that the industry do particularly well at the moment. And this is an example where, you know, they, they are not, not monetizing the value of the, of the data, but they're, they're, they're leveraging their own data uh, for the gain of the industry and the gain of, of, of consumers in turn. So that, that I think is the, is, is the one that comes to mind. Um, and I, I think it's, um, I think it's just a very positive um, mindset change that um, that that the industry have, yeah have have uh, got to. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, aka agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit NBS Brokerage dot com cast certified is retention important to your brokerage of course it is that's why at ifs we have a cancellation prevention process want more details give us a call i know you don't always use a premium finance company but when you do you should use ifs cheers <laughs> 